Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. This is just one of those losses. This is one of those look in the mirror losses, one of those referendum losses mm. when you get blown out at home on national TV by a rival and a team that has the best record in football, no less. And with all the stuff that's going on with the Cowboys, they were surviving, 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 getting through it. The Zeke suspension, he's playing, he's not playing. Jerry Jones is getting into all sorts of arguments, and it seemed like they were okay up until a couple of weeks ago. And now you got back-to-back performances, including last night, which was by far the worst, as things just, the wheels came off so quickly, and then they lose another player, hopefully not for that long, and Anthony Hitchens. They already lost Sean Lee, so now the defense is becoming more of a sieve. I mean, this is not a good situation well, for your Cowboys. You don't have Smith on that offensive line. Once again, they were able to. A team was able to apply pressure to Dak Prescott. He had his worst game as a Cowboy, throwing those three picks. Uh, and, and and so offensively, while they came out and they wanted to run the ball, and they did run successfully early on, uh, it wasn't sustainable. And you can't protect the quarterback, so that's that's a a big problem offensively, defensively. No run stuffers to speak of. If they get you in third and long, they can hunt quarterbacks but aside from that uh, it was just gaping holes that the Eagles exploited all night long didn't matter which running back it was uh, they were finding some some daylight and they have a three-headed monster at running back Uh, so uh, that was an exceptional uh, display of offense and defense in that second half for the Eagles now the Cowboys has just done nothing back-to-back games in the second half uh, held off the the scoreboard in in both of those games Atlanta and then again last night so they've got some soul-searching do you are correct and uh, I, I thought they would be blown out I, I tried to preach this to my fellow Cowboys fan down the hall Jerry Recco works over at WFAN but he doesn't believe fat makes grease uh, they just don't have anything they can't run they can't run consistently they, they can't stop anyone on defense and that secondary uh, once again you know they couldn't hold up so the Cowboys are in a, in a bad place right now I was reading some of the Dallas papers this morning, and it's all about who to blame the most. Like, is this now Dak Prescott's fault after his worst game ever? Do you look at him differently? And many of these things are the same. When you look to blame one person, it's usually an exercise in futility because there's several factors that are going into the team playing this way. There may be one that's bigger than the other, but in the case of the Cowboys, I mean, I think it's collective. You lose Sean Lee on that defense. You know the difference that Sean Lee makes for that defense, and the stats are there. I mean, they are a totally different defense without him. Then you lose Hitchens last night. The offensive line is not the same offensive line that we knew. Uh, They went and tried to replace Chaz Green after that horrible performance against the Falcons and 55,000 sacks with Byron (laughs) Bell last night, and uh, the second half didn't work out so well for them either. Uh, The fact that you don't have Ezekiel Elliott, yes, is a big deal because the guy's one of the best running backs in football, uh, Des Bryant, I don't think that Des Bryant is anywhere near where he should be, the level that he should be playing. So maybe we should stop overrating Des Bryant and thinking that he's something that he's not. Yep. So 
When you have all those factors, this is what you got now last night when you run into this Eagles team that doesn't have a weakness right now. There is Des Bryant, and we've been saying this for a while on this show, and I haven't heard it anywhere else, but this is he's not an elite receiver. I'm sorry. He cannot 50-50 balls, yeah, he can fight for the ball. He can make a spectacular catch every now and then, but he is not going to blow by these defenders. I just don't see it. Week in and week out. He seemed like he's always covered up, and so there's no fear factor with him anymore. He can't blow the, blow the top off of your your, your secondary. Uh, so they need to go out and address that. They need to address, and I'm talking this offseason, address that defensive line. Of course, they've been trying to address the, the secondary, had some injuries uh, in there. Lewis, the, the, the rookie, uh, you know, got him back, but... They need more receiver play. Uh, they they don't have this that they don't have an Antonio Brown. They don't have a Julio Jones. They don't have an AJ Green. Des Bryant gets paid like those guys, but he's not in that number. Yeah, he's certainly not. And him and Dak Prescott have never really found that connection that you'd want them to have for whatever reason it is. And I know that when the Cowboys won last year, it was basically on the strength of Dak playing great and in the run game and a little bit of Des Bryant here or there, and then, you know, when you have to rely on Des, it just hasn't happened. So, and the Cowboys sitting at 5-5 five and five with a game on Thanksgiving against a Chargers team that we will talk about that game in a little bit. Um, so, I mean, this is, it's, it's not totally over for them, but it feels like it's over for them. It's over point. for them when you're talking about probably the best tandem a ru- uh, p- pass rushing tandem in the game right now, uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Uh, you talk about trying to block both of those guys, and you have an offensive line with so many holes in it currently. Uh, it may be over. I think we may it may be able to call that one Monday today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And we'll go from your team the negative and my team the positive. It's something I didn't see coming as the Minnesota Vikings beat the L.A. Rams at home in impressive fashion. A game that was close until the fourth quarter as they pull away. And now the Minnesota Vikings are 8-2, and two, and they really would have had a firm grip on that number two seed in the NFC if the Saints didn't come back and <laughs> beat the Redskins. Now, you do have the tiebreaker between the Vikings and the Saints already deciding the head-to-head matchup in week one on Monday Night Football where the Vikings went and won that game. So they do have that. It would have been like a two-game lead for them if the... Saints were able to lose that game and they didn't they didn't come back but whatever uh sitting at 8 and 2 and I've it's it's amazing to me that this is going on it truly is now of course the thoughts in my head having watched this franchise are you know what heartbreaking thing will oh. happen to them but because that's just <laughs> I what got it is. you I, mean, I got you. you you know how it is but yep. I mean the fact that they you know they lose the quarterback that they thought was going to be their starting quarterback they lose an electrifying rookie uh, who was a running back who was really mm-hmm. changing their offense. You know, they replaced these guys with Case Keenum and Latavius Murray and, well, Jarek McKinnon as well. But you're doing what you're doing. And then you've got Adam Thielen mm-hmm. doing things at the wide receiver position that the Vikings haven't seen since Randy Moss. <laughs> and when when I say that, right, you, first thing you say He's is... He's doing more than Des Bryant's doing for the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, a lot more, but... You laugh when you hear that, right? But I'm going to give you this stat. So I just saw this last night that Adam Thielen and Randy Moss are the only receivers in Vikings history with 60 or more catches and 900 or more yards in their first 10 games of the season. Wow. I mean, Adam Thielen. 
Yep. Randy Moss. Adam Who Thielen knew? is in the same breath as Randy Moss. That just shows you you can find some diamonds in the rough anywhere. And this guy's a Division three wide receiver. And look what he's doing now. He's in, We're talking about him in the same breath as Randy Moss. Yeah, and, and the defense shut down this unbelievable mm-hmm. offense mm-hmm. of the L.A. Rams. And, and that's something that... Is, is really, really important, obviously, for the Vikings to keep this going because, I mean, the offense, I still feel like they could put up a clunker here or there. You know, this is not an offense. Even the last couple of weeks, you feel like they could bring it anywhere and be good, but it's really going to be on the, the backs and the strength of the defense. But, I mean, <laughs> at what point do you start saying that this is a magical thing? And I just, I can't, I can't do it yet because, you know, my trepidation with them and also with the Saints and the Eagles that are in there, and, and even though they beat the Rams head-to-head, I mean, they got the tiebreaker on the Saints and the Rams right, right. for a bye. Yeah. For a <laughs> bye. It just blows my mind. Well, that's why you have to stay in the moment, and you have to enjoy uh, when your team is rolling like this, and no matter who's helping you get it done, Adam Thielen, a guy who was an afterthought uh, to, to, to most teams when they were looking at filling out their rosters, and, and Case Keenum, uh, a guy who played for the Rams, he lost his job to Jared Goff, and and I thought that was a great moment. Those two at the end of the ball game. Of course, you couldn't tell what they were saying, but you've got a guy been in the league, Case Keenum. He's the the placeholder for this this number one overall pick uh, there with the Rams, and and, and uh, I'm sure he tried to impart some type of knowledge as far as how to manage being an, an NFL quarterback. And and so they had a good moment there. But Case Keenum, can we stop with all this talk about who's going to be your quarterback? And I, I, I once again think Mike Zimmer, the head coach, is being coy with the media. But Case Keenum's your guy. He's played well. And, and so I don't understand why there's a conversation about Teddy Bridgewater, someone who hadn't played over about a year and a half. So uh, this team is rolling right now. You're right, it's the defense. But offensively, no one can figure out how to stop this, this stealing character. And and as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, and it doesn't matter if it's intermediate routes, it's the long-distance routes, he finds a way to get open in case Keenum finds him. And, and, and one play sticks out from yesterday where I don't know how the hell Case Keenum got, got around not being sacked or at least losing the rock. Somebody, a defender goes behind him, he ducks, a guy comes in front of him, he ducks, and then he throws it up. And, of course, who does he find? Adam Thielen. So uh, he was a magician at times yesterday, and the Vikings looked, they looked apart. They they look legitimate. They look just as legitimate as as the, the Philadelphia Eagles currently. Let's listen to Mike Zimmer, Vikings head coach, after the game on this quarterback situation. It's going to be hard to yank him out of there right now. So you know he's playing good, and um, you know I still have really high hopes for Teddy. And you know, thing a lot of things happen throughout the course of this season. So we'll just see how it goes. And of course, he's talking about Case Keenum when it's going to be. Tough for him to yank him out of there right now. Now, there used to be this thought that you could go and win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that was less than elite because we saw Trent Dilfer do it and Brad Johnson do it many years ago. So people would say, if you have a great defense, you'll be able to do it. Now, the Denver Broncos kind of brought that back a couple years ago. But that was a different type of average quarterback that was a guy who had lost a lot of his skill set physically but was still someone that knew what he was doing every play and was one of the smartest players to ever play the position so I don't even know you could go there so when you look back now on the Super Bowl champion quarterbacks all the way in the last I mean 10 years you can go even farther than that you can go 
let's say since that Brad Johnson one, all right? And this, I'm making a point about Case Keenum here. So you go all the way back to the, after the Brad Johnson one. You got Brady, Brady, Ben, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning again, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, um, then Brady. He, uh, Brady, that's right. right. Just want to make sure on that. Brady, Peyton Manning, and Brady again. <laughs> There's a so, lot of Brady's in right. there, man. <laughs> but, so my point is, so the worst one in there is Peyton, an old Peyton Manning. Old Peyton Manning and, and Joe Flacco. Uh, Flacco went off that, that he was championship great. drive. He was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. He, he really was great. Contract year. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you can even blame him for their struggle. So I guess that brings me to the question. When you're separating these teams at the top, I mean, can you put Case Keenum in a conversation where he's going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl championship for the Minnesota Vikings, considering what you've seen in the NFL over the last, you know, decade plus? Uh, I, I think he he's more than capable of, of leading this team and playing his role as far as taking care of the rock. You look at his his stats over the last three ball games. You know he's he has nine or seven touchdowns. He has those three picks on the season, twelve and five touchdowns, the interception ratios. I think he's more than capable of carrying his team and being more than just a a manager, which all quarterbacks have to do. You're essentially managing the game. You have a game plan. You go out there and you execute it. That's part of managing it. Uh, but I think he's a guy that you don't limit. He's not someone you don't have a ton of confidence in as far as rolling out your entire playbook. So you can go out and you implement a scheme for a particular opponent, and you have the confidence in Case Keenum to go and carry that out. Yeah, I, I don't. It, that's the thing that's holding me back because if you look around at these other quarterbacks at the top of the NFC, all right, Jared Goff still very young. We don't know, but could end up being great. Carson Wentz is right there as the MVP of football mm-hmm. at this point, so you got to put him head and shoulders. And you got Drew Brees, who yes is is maybe forty at this point, almost forty at this point, and the running game that they have now coupled. With him, and they're playing better on the road than they used to in recent memory because of that defense and because of that running game. You have faith in that. A guy who's won a Super Bowl right. before. So right. that's still what's going to separate them. I know it's pretty simplistic to just break down the quarterback, but I really think that's the best indicator when trying to separate the best of the best when you you have them jumbled up, even though the Vikings have a win over the Saints and the Rams. Yeah. I just that was regular. I mean, that was early in the season, first ball game out of the gate for uh, the Minnesota. It wasn't oh, even oh, Keenum playing that, game. right? Exactly. And teams they they evolve throughout the season. They either get better or they get worse. We've seen uh, some get worse, like my my Cowboys. The, the Vikings are, are are getting better each and every week. I, you, it comes down to have we seen these guys in these situations before? And Breeze is the only one, as you mentioned. He has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, we haven't seen Carson Wentz. We saw him uh, look pretty good early last season, then fade uh, during the uh, the end of the season. We haven't seen that yet, and he has a running game. He has a, a, a defense, uh, one of the best in the league uh, currently. And, and so even with the injuries they've had on the offensive line, I mean, they lose Jason Pease. They lose their left tackle, perennial all pro, and they don't skip a beat. The Cowboys lose theirs, and they fall all apart. And they've got a bunch of first-rounders on that, that offensive line. So uh, Carson Wentz, it, it, you've seen him – 
play much better this season. You haven't seen the decline uh, here at the, near the end of the season or mid to the end of the season. And so there's a lot of confidence he can get it done. But we have to wait and get these guys in playoffs or get them into some games that would help, uh, you know, get their spot or, or, or they punch their ticket to the second season. And once we see, the, see them in those big moments, you have a better idea of how they're going to handle them. Want to talk some NFL from yesterday? How no. bad are the Cowboys no. right now? Can the Vikings win a Super Bowl with Case Keenum? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Your call's a bogus update and the worst quarterback decision in recent memory in the NFL. Coming right back. Give us a call right now. 855-212-4CBS. Andrew Bogish is here. What's happening, Bogish? How hey. was your Friday, man? We missed you. Yeah, uh, Friday was fine. Yeah. Friday was fine. Hung out with the kids. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you listen to the show? Uh, I didn't listen to the show. I saw tweets about the show. I saw Marco's Dirty Hat. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I heard mm. that Coop was great. Coop I didn't was great. hear Coop. Fam. Yeah. Fammy. Yeah, that's right. Fammy. Mm. Take the family to Disney World. Hollywood. Yeah, enjoy family. your family. Your family. This is what he had to say. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> Coop was twice last week when I came in was so asleep that he mm. was tipping out of his chair. Mm. <laughs> enjoy your family. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy your family. That's what you took his advice ah. on Friday. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. That's good, man. It's just you and, wow. you and the family. All right, mm. what's going on in Kyle's sports? The family, family good. The family's good. Family yeah, good. they like me. Yeah, the family's good. Family. Uh, so playing again without the suspended Ezekiel Elliott and the injured Tyron Smith and Sean Lee, the Cowboys were just fine in the first half of Sunday Night Football. The second half, not so much. Went sets, throws over the middle, lunging for it is Alshon Jeffrey, who pulls it in in the middle of the end zone on his hip for the touchdown. Kevin Kugler on Westwood, one second touchdown pass of the night for Carson. And wins. His Eagles won the second half 30 nothing for a 37-9 W in Big D. Eight straight wins for Philly. Second straight loss for the Cowboys. They've been outscored 47 nothing in the second half of those defeats. Now, after the game, Jerry Jones sidestepped most questions about his feud with his fellow owners over Roger Goodell's new contract, but Jones did respond kind of to Jonathan Kraft saying on Boston Radio that Jerry advised Robert Kraft to take their medicine and focus on football during Deflategate. The Cowboy owner says this is not the same situation. Just they're different. Well, I don't, we're not going to write anything in the book here, so they're just different. They're just different. They're just different. So everybody different. move on. They're just different. Yeah. Jones added that his riff with Goodell is not about Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. Back on the field, the Bengals got their first win in Denver since 1975. 2017, that's the Broncos' sixth straight loss. The Saints stealing a 34-31 W from Washington to push their win streak to eight, six in a row for the Vikings, 24-7 over the Rams, and four straight wins for the Jaguars. 19-7 in Cleveland, Jacksonville has sole possession of first in the AFC South this late in the season for the first time since 99. The Lions fought off the Bears 27-24. The Pats down the Raiders 33-8 in Mexico City. Baltimore blank Green Bay 23-0 the Chiefs losing in OT at the Giants 12-9. Jim Mora is done as UCLA's football coach. The Bruins are 5-6 and six after Saturday night's loss to USC. Fourth straight year falling to their rivals. Mora was 46-30 and 30 over six seasons, but 29 of those wins came over his first three years. Offensive coordinator Jed Fish is the interim replacement. 11 points, 16 rebounds, and 11 assists for Lonzo Ball. His second triple-double already. As the Lakers outscored the Nuggets 127-109. The Warriors held off the Nets 118-111 in Brooklyn. Golden State led by 
as many as 28 in that one. The Pistons got by the T-Wolves, 197, and the Suns beat the Bulls, 113-105. David Lee announcing his retirement after 12 NBA seasons. He played last year with the Spurs. This announcement after announcing that he's engaged to tennis star Caroline Wozniacki. And Brian, finally. Okay. Did you, do, you a, do you have a follow-up uh, David Lee question first? Yeah, wasn't she engaged to uh, the, the golfer? Right, that's right. Yes. Yeah, he uh, he dumped her. Yeah. Yes, and then she was dating J.J. Watt for a little bit. Oh, okay. And now she's marrying David Lee. Oh, cool. Yes. So now... Thank you. Yes. One more time. I'm supposed to talk after that? <laughs> Brian was rubbing his nipples. Yeah. Was saying, uh, yeah. It was a uh, it was visual thing. I had an itch. Right. Yeah. Just so everybody knows what we were seeing and what we're talking about. <laughs> right. If you ever wonder what a sensual black Mr. Rogers looked like. <laughs> right. Y'all are killing me this morning, man. Yeah. What's up, bro, my outfit? Right. I mean, Brian. Uh, this is my non-threatening outfit. Yeah, Brian. We should get a picture of Brian with the, <laughs> with the glasses and everything. Well, just go to page 13 of the L.L. Bean Christmas catalog and you can see Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's we need to get some diversity in here. Cliff, fire this guy. <laughs> Can we find a non-threatening Negro? Yes, he's right here. It's CBS Sports Radio. Or are we not that anymore? What are we? No, we're still that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we're sponsored we're... by Intercom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> we'll put that up on our Twitter account. At Gio and Jones. Hi, may I date your daughter? Gio and Jones. <laughs> uh, so your NASCAR engines are becoming. Yes! Martin Truex Jr. is the series champion this year. He's the Eight first, wins. the first Cup champ ever from the Garden State. It's really, really cool to be the first champion from New Jersey in the Cup Series. Certainly sounds like it. Uh, Truex Jr. <laughs> winning at How home. How many other drivers <laughs> are there from New Jersey? Not many, right? It's a small number. Yeah, and that's it. NASCAR. Yay. Hmm. All right. Well, I told you he'd win the championship. Well, duh. I had yeah. that on Friday. <laughs> told you. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah, I nailed that one. Yes, you. you and I your, tell you. One you of and a, your lifeline, Zach. Yeah, which is one of the worst things that could have possibly happened yep. because Zach is a big – we've talked about him on the show before. He's the most annoying man in this building, hands down, and he's a NASCAR – aficionado. I mean, he goes to the races. He knows some of the drivers. He's just, you know, he's all about it. So when I started doing that read after your protest, I <laughs> needed somebody to help me out because I wanted to do well with this. So I went to him and he's nailed a couple of these and he just reaches out to me now constantly. I got an email, a Facebook message, something else from him, something on Twitter. From this guy. What? Being like, I'm making you look like a NASCAR genius. This morning, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is this. So I have yeah. to give him proper attribution. Didn't even say uh, hello. He just said Truex. Yeah, that's he what smiled. he said. I know. It's this. Well, I mean, listen, if it's making him happy, that's a yep. good thing. So, I mean, that's uh, that's the way I have to look at it. I'm just going to have to deal with the pain. Well, I, well, now I don't have to worry about it. It's over. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it'll be back soon. Yeah, I know. February. February. <laughs> look at that. All right. So... Sean McDermott makes the move to Nathan Peterman. Yeah. A surprising one that people were questioning because, yeah, Tyrod Taylor wasn't great, but was he really the problem with the Buffalo Bills? And Nathan Peterman was not a guy who was drafted in the top 10 of this past NFL draft that people expected to be 
phenomenal. He's going to step right in and be a pro bowler right away. So people say, ah, I don't know about this one, mm-hmm. right? So what happens? The guy puts together what could be the worst first half of quarterback play in the NFL ever, statistically. <laughs> I mean, it, it really could be. As he throws five interceptions. Now, one was off Rich DeMarco's helmet. There yeah. was another one where he's getting crushed by Bosa, yeah. and his arm goes up, and then there were two. It's amazing. There were two that were squarely on him because they were horrible throws right. where it wasn't any sort of pressure or a drop ball. Yep. But it just looked terrible for the Bills and Sean McDermott. Tyrod Taylor has to come in in the second half of this game to try to salvage something, but it was over quickly as the San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers go and blow out the Bills. And McDermott looks like a moron. He, he, he looks does. like a total moron. Yeah, and he does. And, and we talked about the, the comments from players in that locker room and, and how they have been wild uh, or wow. I can't even say wow. The wow factor they witnessed at times and on the practice field with, with Nathan Peterman. Uh, and as I said Friday, practice is one thing. <laughs> then you get in that ball game and you're going up against guys whose mannerism you don't necessarily have a, 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 not in tune with because you haven't seen them. You haven't been in live action. And there's a different speed on game day than you witness during practice. So he's going he's gonna to struggle probably at times. I didn't expect the young man to throw five interceptions, but I figured they'd get him at least once or twice, and they did more than that, of course. Uh, so uh, Tyrod Taylor, putting all the blame on him, on your quarterback, who going into last week's game had only thrown three interceptions. And he still only has three on the season. I don't think he had one yesterday. I thought he, he lost a fumble. That was it. Three interceptions on the season. So I don't understand why a quarterback change was necessary. Other than LaShawn McCoy, who are the other weapons on that team? Charles Clay, when he's out there, he's a bona fide target at tight end. But who else? Who else can you name? Can you? Yeah, yeah. you would struggle. And, and well, so they just tried. I mean, they, we, we know they traded for Benjamin. They got Zay right. Jones there. Clay now, was there. Well, no Zay is hurt. And right. He's out. But he's and, a, and now Benjamin and may be out and then, with an injury. Uh, what's his face? Andre you, you, something. Uh, you have Holmes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Holmes. Yeah. But, but my point is this, and this goes back to the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, saga when folks would say he, he – you look at his record and what he did last year. Uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Well, he was surrounded by nothing. Tyrod Taylor surrounded by nothing other than LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy had over 100 yards yesterday, but who cares? You got boat raced. Uh, and, and here's a guy with 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, but he loses his job. He's the problem? How's he the problem? And you got to throw in a rookie who was a fifth, sixth-round pick, and, and you think he's going to help move this offense when you have nothing surrounding him either? It just makes no sense, and, and McDermott doesn't look good, and, and he's still holding on to this where we're going to evaluate the position. Well, you had a guy who could help you if you hadn't jettisoned every damn threat uh, you had in that wide receiver room. And, and I know Zay Jones goes down, and, and now Kelvin Benjamin may be uh, limping into the next or the, into the end of the season. Uh, but you couldn't. You, there's no way you place all this on your quarterback, <laughs> and, 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 and you have what you had there yesterday. It was just wrong move. Well, let's listen to Sean McDermott after the game. This is him talking about whether or not this was something that he regretted. Yeah, I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to take my time and evaluate it. Well, I'm going to make the decision that I feel like is right for this football team. Um, you know, again, I felt like this was the right situation for Nate to come in and play. And, um, and so, I, like I said before, I, I don't regret my decision. I regret the result. We didn't get the result we were looking for. Um, 
Um, so uh, I don't regret the re- decision at all. Why was it the right decision, though? He uh, never tell, He never said why. Was, what, what was Tyrod Taylor not doing that you didn't? He wasn't throwing interceptions. Did you not like that? What, what what did you not like about how he was steering your offense? Yeah, I also think that, I mean, that to him is he's just acting tough. I mean, yeah. you better regret that decision at mm-hmm. that point. It was terrible yeah. because at that point, you're taking out a guy that's well-liked in the locker room and then putting in this rookie, and then he's terrible. I mean, people are just laughing at you. I mean, think about it. What do you think Tyrod Taylor was doing in the first half of that game? What his teammates were doing in the first. I mean, after what? The second interception? The mm. third interception? The fourth interception? They're all going up to him like, our coach is an idiot. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes when stuff like this happens, you don't have the luxury to get the locker room back. Thank you. Because they don't trust you anymore. Yep. To put them in the best situation to win. No, you you have to take shots at that defense. They did nothing, but it's hard when you're in sudden change their entire first half. It's hard to really do anything from a defensive standpoint, but uh, you're right. This could really fracture that locker room now because I'm sure there are a lot of guys that had the back of Tyrod Taylor and and were scratching their head. Well, why are you pulling this guy when he has actually – Posted pretty good numbers. And, and so, yeah, you were evaluating early in that ball game as well. And you pulled Nathan Peterman. So we know what you were evaluating and, and how it should go down the line here next week. You should put Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, as much as it's going to hurt, and much as you're going to have to try to save face, Tyrod Taylor is your quarterback. Kevin is in Calgary. He's on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing, you guys? What's up, Kevin? I'm out driving around, and I'm listening to you guys. You're making me laugh again. But anyways, uh, I was weighing in on the Raiders game. It was pretty good until the referee didn't call that call on Crabtree just before the half. I was kind of upset about that. And uh, I don't know if Jack Del Rio could have thrown a, 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 a flag out to, uh, you know, to question that call. I'm trying to remember exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. First half, Michael Crabtree, the... Yeah, I was in the end zone, and they threw it to him, and the guy, like, literally tackled him before the ball got Oh, there. yeah, yeah. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the, the non-call and the pass interference. No, you can't, yeah. challenge, you can't challenge a penalty call yep. in, in that situation. So there's, there's nothing that Jack Del Rio could have done. But, I mean, do you really think, though, that the way that that game turned out? I mean, you were, there was also that fumble when the Pats were up 14 nothing, and the Raiders actually were putting something together. Yep. Uh, early on in the in the game, but I, I just there was there wasn't one thing or two things that were going on in that football game that would have changed it. And the bigger problem is that it's the worst pass defense, yep. hands down, yep. in football right now. Yeah, Kevin. That's it, and they've spent a lot of money on that unit, and it has not. It's not bearing any fruit, and, and and they couldn't. They had no answer for Brandon Cooks in that ball game. They had no answer for the offense of, of the Patriots, and and not many teams do. But the the Raiders are, are woeful right now. Offensively, they're not doing anything, and defensively, uh, that that was a problem a season ago. And I hate it for my man Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator. But uh, they have not gotten any better on that side of the ball. Coming up next is the next Johnny Manziel on the radar. Keep it right here. It's Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. We went head-to-head on two college games. Mm. Money in the bank for me. Yep. As Wisconsin and uh, Notre Dame, right? Yep, and, yeah. and Navy. Um, the Wisconsin game, really, Wisconsin-Michigan, the, the one that mattered the most that was happening. You had a little bit of a scare there with Miami and Virginia. Oh, uh, as 28-14 they end- at one point in yeah. that one? Uh, but they end up coming back and then pulling away by a couple of scores. But one of the bigger stories that came out of this weekend 
is one that sort of perplexes me in a way and is totally unfair to a particular person. Now, Baker Mayfield is, as the quarterback of the Oklahoma Sooners, a guy who is the leading candidate to be the Heisman Trophy winner at this moment this morning, grabs his nether region. His undercarriage, yeah. And starts yelling expletives mm-hmm. towards the Kansas players after going up 28-3 to and throwing a touchdown. Now, he goes out and apologizes for this, just like he apologized for the planting of the flag after beating Ohio State. And then people go back to his public intoxication arrest, and then they say these two things. And I have heard more over the last couple of days, is Baker Mayfield the next Johnny Manziel than I care to hear for the rest of my life? And I think it's totally and completely unfair to do that to him. And if you look at Baker Mayfield and how much he cares about winning and how intense he is. Now, let's put the public intoxication thing aside for a second. It's a totally different thing. But don't you want that in a player? I mean, have we never been in a situation in a competitive atmosphere when we're young like that? where you, something gets under your skin or you want to show off a little bit and you do something like that, unfortunately the cameras caught him and it maybe wasn't the best thing. You don't do that every game. But you know what? He's fired up in a game against Kansas. Yeah, and what preceded all that was the the uh, the coin toss where he went to shake the hands of the Kansas players, their captains out there, and, and they refused. They had their hands uh, behind their backs. And so uh, it was on and popping from then. Uh, and I don't know why the Kansas players thought that would uh, assist them in trying to knock off one of the top-ranked teams because uh, they are pretty bad. And, and so from, from there – I mean, the, the trash talking is going to always be a part of his game. We've seen that since uh, he's been a, a walk-on freshman at, at Texas Tech. That's just what he does. He has a ton of confidence. He has uh, He's a very competitive, fiery football player, and we love that about him. That being said, uh, what he did was, was lewd, crude, and, and I'm not one for all these apologies. I didn't think he should have apologized for planting the flag there at Ohio State, but he definitely should have apologized Saturday, and we didn't show that in our in our post game. And if we had shown it, I, I I would have said as a Heisman voter, which I am, uh, that bothered me. And and while he is uh, the leader by a, a ton currently, uh, that really bothered me. The fact he did that, and and that's crossing the line. He he does. You can trash talk, and and I like to talk when I was playing, and and that's fine. And we understand he does it, but that was. Uh, too much uh, for the young man. So I'm glad he had the apology right after the, the ball game. And uh, he, I'm, I'm not sure how this, the other voters feel, uh, but I, I know me and someone who's not approved, uh, it bothered me. Yeah, and if, if voters want to get on their moral high horse mm-hmm. about it, then fine, let them. Uh, that shouldn't mean as much to him as the next step in his career where I really don't think that this will affect him, stuff like this. No, if, no, no. if anything, because uh, that's the next conversation well, about it is. It, go ahead, it, I'm sorry. Is is that uh, some of these antics are going to scare people off because they think he's a loose cannon and he reminds people of Johnny Manziel. Please, I mean, this is exactly what you want in a player. I mean, all right, so you don't, you don't grab your crotch next time. Okay, fine, you learned your lesson, but... If he's fired up like that, he cares that much, 
He is the ultimate competitor. This is exactly what you what do you want? Jay Cutler, who stands on the <laughs> sidelines, looks like he'd rather be anywhere else than a football game? Or you want the guy that's mouthing blank you while doing what he did on the sideline in a game where they're up twenty eight to three? And there's never been any questioning his work ethic. This guy loves football. He, he breathes it. He sleeps it. He, it it's, it's all about football. It's all about being out there on that field and, and making those magical plays. So uh, it, 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 as far as that comparison with Johnny Manziel, you, no one has ever questioned his work. And he was a walk-on. This guy was a walk-on and played as a freshman at Texas Tech as a walk-on. And he's only gotten better ever since then. Transfers from Texas Tech, goes to Oklahoma, and look at the numbers he's posted. He's been in the top five in voting as far as the Heisman is concerned the last two years. And he's probably got to still, probably will win it this year. Yeah. So, I mean, in Manziel, I was, that was one of the guys I was pretty much as wrong as you could possibly be on. I thought he was going to end up being an exciting thing in the NFL. And, he didn't care enough. I mean, that's what that's it came it. down right, to. Right, right. I mean, and, and also, I, I you know, there's an addiction element to that. I don't want to go down that road right now, and, and maybe there's bigger problems there than we could even imagine. But, I mean, the, the, the work ethic, for whatever reason, wasn't there. It doesn't seem like Baker Mayfield is the same type of no, guy. No, not even close. All right, so you start hearing the rumors of who's going to be the next head coach at Florida, and then all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. UCLA goes out and fires Jim Mora before mm-hmm. the season ends. People connecting the dots, thinking that, wait a second, we can't lose out. I'm talking from a UCLA perspective on Chip Kelly. We'd love to have Chip Kelly here, but we can't do anything about Chip Kelly while Jim Mora is still the coach because these guys are that coaching brethren thing. We've talked about this before. You already have a coach. I'm not going to talk to you about it, whatever. So... Where does Chip Kelly land, and do you believe that he's driving this coaching market, as some of the rumors are saying? Well, I think he is, and and you coined the phrase "lazy list" because anytime there's an opening, who's the first? The first two names are Chip Kelly and, and John Gruden, and and John Gruden, I don't believe, and I talked to a, a, a source uh, the other night, he doesn't believe John Gruden would come back for a college uh, uh, college coaching gig, but a pro gig, yes, uh, and, but. Chip Kelly is leading this train right now. Anytime there's a job opening, that's the first name that pops up. He had a ton of success there at Oregon, of course, and, and he leveraged that into an NFL gig that didn't go so well. But uh, UCLA now, they can jump into the fray, and Florida was meeting the reports. They went up to New Hampshire and met with Chip Kelly this weekend. Nothing was signed. And, and if you're Chip Kelly and you've coached on the West Coast, you've coached in the Pac-12, why wouldn't you listen to UCLA? And that's a, a great job. That's a, a marquee program. Do they have the marquee facilities that these other programs have? No. And, and in this arms race of college football, that is something that's uh, significant. They have upgraded their facilities uh, uh, here recently, but uh, I think they would. Uh, Chip Kelly would be on their their list, and and they would be blowing up his phone if you're UCLA. And this was a preemptive strike. Hey, let's get into this thing. Chip Kelly may be off the board if we don't. And so I I think Chip Kelly may want to be back on the West Coast. Brandon is in Arkansas on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Brandon? Hey, hey guys. I do think you're right on the uh, Manziel Mayfield comparison. Uh, the guy is a loose cannon, struggles with impulse control. Good on the field. He's a good baller. I mean, game time, he's there. He's intense. But uh, And then, to boot, you see the video online of him trying to 
juke the cop in Fayetteville. Man, he had a choice to go right to the street or left to the wall. <laughs> he chose to go left to the wall, and I'm just going decision-making, decision-making. It's not, you know, it's out there. But uh, I'll tell you what, guys, Chip Kelly's going to Florida. That's what I'm reading, and uh, that could be a good stop for him. A lot of speed down there for his offense, and I was hoping to get him in Arkansas, but uh Looks like it's not going to go that way. No, you probably, know? probably not, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, Thanks yeah, for the call. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Get him to to, to Fayetteville, as we Longhorns refer to it. Yeah, and uh, we did not. You you didn't agree with us. We don't think that right. he's going to be the next Johnny Manziel. No, no, yeah, and he had that misstep there in in, in Arkansas uh, with with the the popo, but uh, I don't think he's going to be the next Johnny Manziel. I don't believe he has a an addiction problem, uh, and and he 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 loves football and and, and football. Um, means a lot to him, and and he's just once again a fiery guy. That's how he plays. But he crossed the line the other day, and that's why he immediately apologized. I don't think anyone needed to tell him uh, like they did with, with with the flag planting there at Ohio State that he needed to apologize. That was going too far. He allowed his emotions to get the best of him, and and he, and he crossed the line once again. So uh, Chip Kelly, yeah, he met with Florida, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure he. he uh, it's probably licking his chops when you, you, you scour that roster and you see all the athletes not only on that roster but uh, that reside there in in uh, in Florida. But that being said, when he was at Oregon, he wouldn't got guys out of Texas. Uh, he, he brought guys from, from across the nation, and a number of them came from Texas, uh, some of his elite running backs. So uh, no matter where he goes, if it's UCLA, if, if it's Florida, I think he's going to be able to recruit pretty well. It's time to open up the phones for Jones. Every Monday, we let you ask one of the greatest, most knowledgeable, entertaining college football analysts in the nation a question to his face. So whether it's about Baker Mayfield being the next Johnny Manziel, whether it's about where Chip Kelly's going to go. How about my horns getting a signature win on the road? Let's talk about that. Sure, if you'd like to bore the rest of the country with that, (laughs) you can do it. Lines are now open. Ask Brian Jones a college football question, maybe even about your team that doesn't get enough pub. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. We have cleared the lines for you. Call us, you'll get through, we'll put you on the air. Also coming up next, a barbecue restaurant that really screwed up. (laughs) We'll explain. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.